Welcome to the Grace South Bay Church Podcast, where each week we discuss the sermon, theological ideas, and how to live for a story larger than ourselves. I'm Matt Cabot, an elder at Grace South Bay and host of the podcast. This week we're discussing the third sermon in a series called Letters from John, That You May Know. In a sermon titled Eyes Wide Open, Pastor Bob discusses how we can know that we're loved and forgiven by God. We're in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 through chapter 2, verse 11. Let's dig in. So, Bob, we live in the Silicon Valley. We love spreadsheets. I know you love spreadsheets. Uh, but how does the spreadsheet mentality relate to our faith? Sure. We can, particularly for people in Silicon Valley, where there is a lot of emphasis on performance, on, on doing, right? Uh, we can construct a spreadsheet mentally in terms of the things that we are that we think God expects us to do and the things that God expects us not to do, right? And so don't do these certain things, do these, right? And we can have boxes to check, you know, have we, have we done those or not? Um, and once again, we love data, right? We, we want to know how we're doing. We want to we in some sense grade ourselves in, in all kinds of things, right? I mentioned in the sermon, we, we track our sleep, we count our calories. I mean, there's, we, we, track our, our, we count our steps, right? Our phones mm-hmm. are doing this, our watches are doing this. Wouldn't we love something that did that for our, our spirituality as well, right? And so we're kind of crazy about this, and so we have this spreadsheet in our minds, and I think it can be very oppressive for us. Yeah, so it can be oppressive, uh, and it can lead to despair, right? We're not doing what God wants us to do. But it can also lead to self-righteousness. Yes. How so? Yeah, so um, what's really interesting, and this gets to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, as he is addressing, in, in some sense, pharisaical spirituality, where he starts the sermon by saying, you know, your righteousness has to surpass that of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the spiritual studs. I mean, when we read Jesus saying that, that should actually give us some pause and make us a little frightened, because these guys were intense and serious. But then you hear Jesus talking and teaching about the law, right? And he says, look, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, right, even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in in your heart. And so what he's talking about is that even a very big spreadsheet, and the Pharisees had a big spreadsheet, even the biggest ones are not big enough. They're just mm-hmm. not, right? To, to c- capture the holiness of God, we would need an infinite spreadsheet, basically. Right. So the problem is you are going to have uh, a smaller spreadsheet than is actually uh, true or needed. And it's for some of us, uh, the spreadsheet will be whittled down enough to the categories that we think we can do, right? But, but even if you think you can do them, you can't do them as well as God expects you to. So no matter what, you will be failing, but we can sometimes convince ourselves that we're not, and that can lead to real self-righteousness. So we have self-righteousness on one pole, we have despair on the other, and maybe on good days we feel, feel self-righteous, like we are checking those boxes. On bad days we feel despair. So how do we not bounce back and forth between the two poles and actually feel an, an assurance that God loves us and that he forgives us. Yeah, let me just briefly say about this, the, that whole despair thing. I think more of us are in the despair category more of the time, right? Disappointed, at least. And um, it, once again, I, I come back to the uh, uh, parable of the prodigal son quite a bit, and it's just a great, it's a great lens for looking at the Christian life. 
And, you know, the younger son, the younger brother is in the despair category. He knows he doesn't uh, live up to what he's supposed to be doing up to, to his father's righteousness and God's righteousness, right? But, but in some sense, the people who are despairing are at least being realistic about their sin, and that's that's good. It's good. It's right. good to recognize how uh, far short we fall. In fact, if even even if you're in utter despair, you still don't recognize how far short you fall mm-hmm. of God's glory and righteousness. But at least you're getting there, right? You're further along than the self righteous people are. The problem is, of course, that people who are despairing are not looking at the cross, right? So if you're if the question is, you know, how do we avoid this bouncing back and forth? Because the prodigal, he was going to return to his father and ask to be taken back as a hired hand, like. Let me just give me a give me a job description and I'll do it, right? He wants to get back into more of the self-righteous category. He wants to go from despair to self-righteousness. And we have to how do we escape that is the question because we're just going to bounce back and forth and right. I think many of us can can recognize that. And for uh, for me at least it's like cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, hmm. it's almost like spiritual warfare. Just yesterday I was walking around and you know, a sin pattern came to mind that, you know, has been relatively under control, under Mm -hmm. wraps, and feeling good about it, right? And the thought crossed my mind, well, don't have to worry about that anymore. And immediately I stopped, and I, you know, and I said, I yelled at myself, don't say that. And I thanked God for Mm -hmm. whatever victory I had been experiencing and prayed that he would help me through today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what we need to do, when when we are in the self-righteous category, when we find ourselves being overly confident and self-righteous and triumphalistic, uh, what we need to do is repent, right? We need to recognize that we don't know the depth of our depravity, and we need to be looking to the cross, because the cross shows us the depth of our depravity, how far God had to go to save us. When we're in a despairing mode, um, when we're tempted to, you know, really, uh, when we only see failure and these empty spaces and empty boxes, as opposed to sort of this self-hatred and shame spiral, again, we simply repent. We repent of these empty boxes. I, I am not being obedient, God. Forgive me and look back to the cross, mm-hmm. right, and see that's where my righteousness is, right? It has been accomplished for me on the cross by Jesus. And so it's something we come back to all the time, we talked about in the sermon as well, is cultivating a lifestyle of repentance. Obedience is, is, it is commanded, we want to pursue it, but a pursuit of obedience is going to lead to actually a lifestyle of repentance, recognizing we're not obeying as we ought to. And so, you know, Tim Keller has made this line famous, right? We need to repent of our sin and our righteousness, right? Because the things that we're hoping in or the things that we think are really good about us, they're not good enough. And if we're getting confidence from that, that's a problem. So one thing I might suggest for people in like a community group setting, something like that, mm-hmm. is maybe try, try creating the spreadsheet. It's there. You have a spreadsheet. Why not write it down and compare with one another? And, and you know, we weight different commands differently, mm-hmm. things to avoid, things to do. We wait, like, compare what these are. And then in every single box, put in the cross hmm. and recognize that Jesus has done all of these things and, and celebrate that. So uh, if we're going to, to have an assurance of God's goodness and faithfulness and that we're loved and so forth, you mentioned that one of the ways that we know that we are in Christ is by keeping God's word. So, so there is, in some sense, we need to check that box of, of knowing God's Word, right, before we can actually do God's Word. Yeah, so keeping God's Word um, isn't necessarily 
getting your Bible study done, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, of course, you know, the majority of Christians have been illiterate throughout history, right? So uh, you can keep God's Word without actually ever cracking the Bible, which is... uh, I think something to be said for Christianity, that, that's, that's a positive note on it. And if I said this spring earlier um, in a sermon, you know, if there's one thing you do during the week besides coming to worship, let it be prayer mm-hmm. um, and opening yourself up to God in prayer. But, you know, look, if, if, we, if we look at this, if we look at this as kind of uh, setting goals, I think that's great. You know, like, I think it's great to have a goal. I want to be in Scripture every day. It's great to have a goal. I want to pray every day. It's great to have a goal. I want to be more generous this year with the things God gave me. And in fact, you might actually have a spreadsheet about it. You know, like some people achieve their goals that way, and that's fine. But the problem is when we begin grading our spirituality, right? When, when, When we use the spreadsheet to tell us whether or no we know God, that's when it becomes problematic. We know God because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the spirit he gives us, and we come to know that as we engage God's word, God's commands, God's spirit on a day-to-day basis. That's how we know him. And you said that that if we know him, uh, our lives will exhibit love, right? So let's talk yeah. about love for a minute. Um, so one of the things that you, that, that you brought up was the idea that that love should be reflected in our lives. So are you saying that we can come to church, do our daily devotionals, memorize the Westminster Catechism, and still not know God? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> that's a problem, isn't it, right? There's a, there isn't sort of an easy checklist here. And, um, you know, what we, what we see in 1 John is he, he constantly comes back to three... Uh, sort of uh, uh, three mainstays of Christian existence. One is um, a, a faith trust mainstay, knowing Jesus as uh, the Christ and Son of God, right? He's fully God, fully man. Another one is sort of this ethical mainstay of actually trying to move away from darkness into light, taking God's commands seriously. And the third one is that more specific uh, new commandment that Jesus gave, which is loving the brothers, right? So these three things, an ethical, uh, a love Love command and a faith command, and, and John keeps circling back uh, on these three. And you can actually do all those things you just said, right? The, the daily devotionals, the coming to church, memorizing catechism, these things, and still be without any of those three, right? You can actually not be trusting in Jesus for your mm-hmm. salvation. You can certainly not love other people, other brethren in, in the church. You can actually have a whole uh, you know, category of, of living uh, in, in some way that no one else knows about, right? That is against God's law. So, yeah, th- th- those things aren't guarantees for us, for sure. So would you say that it's easier to be theologically correct than to love our neighbors? Yes and no. Um, you know, it's interesting because if you're not loving your neighbors, um, then you're not theologically correct. Right. Right? There's something wrong with your theology if you're not loving your neighbors, right? right and and I think here, um, we it, so there's all different ways that this can go wrong. But for us, I think there's an issue of individualism, hmm. and and sort of like our flavor brand tradition of Christianity. Um, our theological emphasis is so much on what I know and believe Jesus did for me personally. 
right? And it's and it's me and Jesus. Do I have a personal relationship with God? Of course, that's very, very important, right? But but it all comes down to do I know that I was elected in eternity past, and do I know that I'm that I'm gonna persevere and I'm gonna be glorified in eternity future? And it's very, very much an individual story of what God has done for me and his grace toward me. And that's very truncated, right? So it's like reading Genesis 12, God's call of Abram, right, who becomes Abraham. God's call of Abram and saying, God's saying to Abram, you know, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a child and descendants, um, and, and my grace is going to be magnified through you, and you're going to know it, and that's all. Hmm. But, and, 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 and all that is true, but it's so much more than that, right? God says, all the nations on earth will be blessed through you, right? You are blessed to be a blessing, and and if the doctrines of grace don't lead us to that conclusion, then we aren't getting the doctrines of grace. Election, perseverance, glorification, all these things not only are blessing us, but they act to serve others around us, our neighbors, even our enemies. So a theology that doesn't lead us to love our neighbors is not a full biblical theology. Right, and so... Uh, we want to we want to live the way that Jesus lived. Yeah. Right. And uh, if we're doing God's will, then we know that we can be assured that maybe we are in God. Uh, but should we actually be asking that question? What would Jesus do? <laughs> I mean, that's that's been sort of maligned, and it's been on bumper stickers and 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 so forth. But but isn't that a decent question to ask when we're trying to figure out what should we do? Uh, how should we live as Christians? Yeah, did you did you have the wristband, Matt? Did you wear it? I had the, well, I, I... You got I, a tattooed. Yeah, tattooed right here. It's on my forearm. <laughs> Is that a problem? Uh, Separate y- podcast about <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, I would say um, just the, the focusing on that question, what would Jesus do, is not the most helpful, actually. Uh, what I would say, I think that that short circuits the sanctification process. I think we should go through our day um, at least at a foundation being cognizant of what we want, where we are emotionally, what are we trying to get out of that situation. And then we try to have an objective, take take a step back and recognize what this, what's going on in the situation, and then try to see what would God's will be here, mm-hmm. right? Like what would what would reflect God's character? But if we don't first take the time to recognize, you know, who, what am I doing? What am I wanting right now? Then we're actually not putting ourselves in a position to be changed or convicted by mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. right? So so we we short circuit that we we. Uh, we cut that out, and so if we are going through our day recognizing this is this is where I am, this is what I want, this is why I'm frustrated, this is why I'm being anxious right now, if we are um, mindful of those things, that's going to lead to a lot of aha moments, mm. right? It's going to lead to a lot of learning about who we are, and it's going to lead to a lot of repentance, right? Because if, if it's just simply what would Jesus do, then we're just doing something mechanically or we're figuring out a way out of it, right? right? right. We're, we're, we're somewhat trying to justify why we're not going to do that, as opposed to being aware of, this is who I am right now, this is how my sin might be playing into the situation, um, or being able to recognize, this is how God has worked in me, and I'm so thankful that I actually want to do God's will right now. Um, so, I, so yes, what would Jesus do is a, is a great question that needs to be asked, but I don't want us to um, do that before also recognizing where we are uh, emotionally, morally, ethically in the scenario. So, so why do you think the Christians give up 
doing God's will? Well, I mean, we all know, right? It's it's difficult, right? Doing God's will is challenging. Um, it's often inconvenient. Um, it competes with other desires, goals, um, appetites. I think for our people, probably, maybe the biggest reason is um, we've already tried and failed, mm-hmm. right? And why try again, right? right? F- particularly in Silicon Valley, where people have a general level of uh, feeling successful, being successful, um, failure feels terrible. And and we will do just about anything <laughs> to, to avoid it, right? right? To avoid failure, to avoid feeling like a failure. And so by trying to do God's will over and over again and and failing, um, it makes us feel bad. But beyond that, it actually, we sense it hurts our faith, right? It, it brings in more doubts about who God is, about his character, about whether or not he is with us. So better not to try these things. You know, I've tried it. Eh, I don't know if, if, if that's actually going to work for me. So I'm going to avoid those few things, and I'm going to move towards the things where I think I can be successful in. And, you know, that's really dangerous. It's really dangerous when we start closing ourselves off to areas uh, of doing God's will that he's calling us to, right? That's when our, our hearts begin to harden and we drift away. Do you think that we could be drifting away and our hearts being hardened um, and we don't even know it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, This is why God calls us into community, right? This is why um, God calls us to regular moments of confession together, corporate confession. This is why God doesn't just give each one of us a Bible and send us off and tells us, go read your Bible, study your Bible, and figure things out on your own. Right? We have to be together, and we actually need to hear the Bible read to us and explained and taught to us, because if we are the ones in charge of our own spiritual journey and theological education, right, we need to recognize that sin is so deceptive, and we will figure out a way right, to, to, to serve ourselves in our own spiritually, in our own, you know, self-guided spiritual and theological education. We need a community of people. We need relationships. I mean, imagine how much sin in your life wouldn't be revealed to you if you had no relationships. You're all by yourself. Right? I mean, that's... that's it's easier to be a hermit. Wouldn't it be amazing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, lonely, right? But, but, yeah. uh, but this, is where we, this is where we find uh, so much of our sin is revealed to us in... Uh, relational tension and conflict. And so, you know, this is something that came up, comes up in our uh, membership class. Uh, we talk about peacemaking, right? And, you know, that's one of our vows is to uh, study the purity and peace of the church. And, you know, what we say is we our aim is not to be a church that is conflict-free, right? To be conflict-free is to really not know each other very well. You know, we're just going to stick with the pleasantries. Hi, how you doing? If there's no conflict between us in church, that means we're not really living life together, right? Our lives aren't bumping up against each other's 
enough. So we don't want to be a church that has no conflict. We want to be a church that handles conflict with the help of Jesus, right? Looking to his cross, trusting in him and his spirit to reconcile us, right? And so, yes, we can be drifting away, not knowing it. We can be in the dark. We can have a blindfold on, and we need each other, right? We are, we, we are brothers and sisters who are to call to each other and to call us back as we're drifting, and that's the, that's the role of a church. Well, Bob, thanks again for the, the great conversation. Uh, this has been a wonderful series uh, that you may know is really an important thing, assurance of God's love and forgiveness. Yeah. We look forward to more conversations like this and the rest of your, uh, the, the series. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Grace South Bay Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. at Crossroads Bible Church in San Jose, California. You can listen to our sermons and this podcast on iTunes and Spotify and on our website at gracesouthbay.com. Thanks for listening.